Welcome to the Movement Church in Orange County, California. We believe that today's message will inspire you, challenge you, and raise your faith that God is up to something big in your life. Let's jump into today's message. ever done a series that has lasted this long, but I also would tell you, I don't know if, never have we ever experienced a series that has been this powerful and transformative. And so I hope you've been leaning in and present and engaged with the messages. If you've missed anything, go check it out on our YouTube page. Listen, get caught up, because I'm telling you, every single message is going to challenge you a little bit, because we're all in this process of transformation, right? Every single one of us in the room, if you call yourself a Christ follower, that means you have made a decision to say, I'm going to follow Jesus with my life. Then in that moment of making that decision, the Bible says you were saved. The gift of salvation is the free gift of God for all who believe. So it's a moment that that happens. The Bible calls it justification, just as if I'd never sinned. It's in that moment of a declaration that I believe in Jesus and I want to follow him, that Jesus comes into our life and we're made new instantaneously. But we also have to acknowledge that we as a person need transformation. And that's called the process of sanctification. That's just me learning what it looks like to walk in righteousness, to be in right standing with God. So during this entire series, we've been talking about all of the different dimensions of self because we got a lot of different parts that make us who we are, right? We've talked about the spirit that is within us, the heart, the command center, it's from this place which we are making choices every single day. And our choices are forming who we are. They're forming our character. We talked about our thoughts. We're thinking thoughts all the time. And sometimes those thoughts line up with the truth of God's word and sometimes they don't. So we've been talking about how to take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. And every thought has a feeling attached to it. You cannot have a thought that does not have a feeling. And we've been talking about the fact that feelings are terrible leaders. Feelings are meant to be followers. And so as we begin to take captive our thoughts and make them obedient to Christ, our feelings follow. We've talked about the body, the desires of the body, all the things that we just naturally want and how sometimes we just get ahead of ourselves. Like the person who loses says, I just lost my temper, right? That's because our body just does things sometimes that we don't want it to do. And last week, Pastor Kerry did a great message about the social context and just how our relationships are a key part of forming who we are. And um, they influence us, right? So today we're just going to talk about the soul and transformation of the soul. And this entire series is based off of a scripture found in Matthew 5, verse 6. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Look at your neighbor and say, get thirsty. <laughs> hey, have you, ever, have you ever just felt unfulfilled or... Um, dissatisfied? Can anybody relate with that? Have you ever asked the question, like, there must be more? Like, there, there, has to, there has to be something more. If you've ever found yourself there, there's a truth that's important for us to recognize, and it's that fulfillment, satisfaction, comes when we're living a life that is fully connected to God and in alignment with Him. You know, 
How many of you drive? Do I have any people who are prone to hit curbs that are willing to admit it? In the past, in the past, I've been one of those people. I'm working really hard to resolve the issue. But you know, if you hit a curb really, really good, like it can just throw your car out of alignment. Do you know what I'm talking about? And then you're driving down the road and you're like, why, why am I changing lanes? Why am I changing lanes? Why am I changing lanes? And the car's just drifting in the wrong direction and it takes a little bit of like a wrestle to get it back on the course that you have it on. That's alignment, right? And so part of what we're looking at during this series is how can I get all dimensions of myself in alignment with God, in alignment with his truth, in alignment with his plans for my flourishing? How do I do that? And we sang a song just a moment ago, Holy Spirit, make me more like Jesus. And it started with this verse, and the verse lyrics actually said, I've been told to live my own truth, to get rid of boundaries, to chase good feelings, but I find myself more lost than ever, enslaved to my desires. And that's not freedom. You know, we see in the book of Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon writes about this, or not Song of Solomon, Solomon writes about this in the book of Ecclesiastes. He's like, I've tried everything. I've looked for fulfillment in so many different places. I've chased it all. I've chased good feelings. I've gotten rid of boundaries, but I'm still searching. I'm still asking the question, there must be more. And the scripture says that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be satisfied. When we are hungry to bring our whole life into alignment with God, fulfillment and satisfaction at the deepest part of our soul is possible. So that's really what I want to talk about today. And I just want to pray before we dive in because I feel like God's up to something and I just want our hearts to be open to what he wants to do. So Jesus... We're here. God, we're gathered in the room and online, in the family room. We're gathered because we, we want more. God, we're gathered to, to worship you. God, we're gathered because we're hungry to grow. So God, would you just meet us today? God, I, I just ask through the power of the Holy Spirit that you'd speak to each of us individually, God, the word that needs to be spoken. God, I thank you for what you're up to, for what you're doing God, we give you the glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So in talking about all of these different dimensions of ourself, we focused in every week on all of the different dimensions. And today, I'm, I'm just bringing this to a close as we talk about the soul. And as Pastor Carrie's explained to you, the soul is kind of like the internal operating software of our entire being. Anybody got a phone on them? Somebody, hand me your phone, TJ. If you have a cell phone, there's a, there's a software that's operating on this phone. It's an internal software. It's keeping everything functioning as it was created to do. It's keeping everything performing as it was created to do. There's an internal software that operates on your cell phone, right? And when that internal software is off, it needs to be reset. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But the soul, thank you, the soul is like the internal software of your entire being. It's running your life at any given moment. It's not the external circumstances that you're walking through. It's not your thoughts or your feelings or your good intentions. The soul is the aspect of your entire being 
that correlates, integrates, and enlivens everything going on in all of the dimensions of self. It's deep, and it's foundational, and here's the thing, it's beyond our conscious awareness. The soul that exists in every single one of us, it is operating our life, but it's beyond our conscious awareness. And in the book, Renovation of the Heart by Dallas Willard, he talks about, he talks about the person with the well-kept heart. If you were here when I taught about the spirit, we talked about this. The person with the well-kept heart that, that protects the heart, that diligently guards the heart. In the person with the well-kept heart, the soul will be properly ordered under God and in harmony with reality. And the outcome of a soul that is in alignment with God is a person who is prepared for and capable of responding to the situations of life in ways that are good and right. How many of you want that? The person with a, a well-kept soul, a well-kept heart, is, is able to respond to the situations of life, and we got a lot of different situations, in ways that are good and in ways that are right. Why? Because when our spirit is in correct relationship to God, that means my spirit, the command center, my heart, the place from which every choice is made. When my spirit has said, not my will, but yours be done, God, and my spirit is in alignment to God, with God's assisting grace, that's unmerited favor, we cannot earn it, it will bring the soul into subjection to God. Now that's a big word, but it just means obedience. When my heart says, not my will, but your will be done, God, it immediately aligns my soul into obedience to God. And then the mind, the thoughts, and the feelings become subjective, come into subjection to the soul. That means they come into obedience to the soul. And the social context of my life and the body will come into subjection to the thoughts and the feelings. All of these then are in agreement with the truth of God's word and with God's original intent and purpose for us. That's a soul functioning properly under God. Now, this is like some deep stuff, but I hope that you're leaning in and you're catching it. Every single one of these pieces is correlated, but the soul is the internal software that's operating our life. Deuteronomy 4.9 says, only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. What's the scripture telling us? Keep your soul diligently. So today, I want us to lean in and say, God, what does it look like to develop a healthy soul? A soul that is in alignment with you. A soul that is in obedience to you. What does it look like to develop a healthy soul? And to do that, the first thing I want to talk about is a flourishing soul. A flourishing soul. If you're taking notes, this should be in our app, and you can write these things down and follow along. There's probably some blanks to fill in for you. But have you ever had um, a picture of something, like an ideal that you've used to motivate you to learn or to grow? 
I mean, a silly example of this might be, um, girls, if you're going in to get your hair done and you find a picture, right? And the picture is like, this is what I want to look like. I have this picture, this is the hairstyle, this is the color, and you hand it off to your hairstylist and they're like panicking internally because they're like, I don't know if I can do that. And, and that's the ideal, right? You're looking at like, this is what I want it to be. Or maybe for some of you, it's like, the picture of somebody with the abs that you want to get. And you've taken it into your personal trainer. You've taken it into the gym. You know, you put it on the treadmill as you're running and you're watching. It's like the ideal picture. That's what I want to achieve, right? Or maybe, and some of us, this is a disservice to us because we often do this through comparison. Maybe you've been looking at somebody who just looks like the ideal mom, the ideal husband, the ideal dad, the ideal leader, and you've just been looking at all the characters of them and it's like, that's what you're aiming at? You guys know what I'm talking about? The Bible actually gives us a picture of an ideal flourishing soul. And so that's what I want to dive into today is to take a look at that and go, okay, if that's the goal, then what do I do to aim in that direction? So the Bible gives us this description in Psalm chapter 1. And if you have your Bibles, I have an actual Bible that's not just my iPad. I have a book that I open up. I know not many of us do that anymore. I do that at home. It helps me be less distracted than on a device. So I open up and I put on my glasses because I can't read the print on that. Um, I open up my Bible to Psalm chapter 1. And at the top of Psalm chapter 1, it says this, the way of the righteous versus the way of the wicked. The way of the righteous versus the way of the wicked. Remember, we're, we're talking about what it looks like to walk in righteousness here. So Psalm chapter one says this, and it talks about a man. This applies to all of us, all right? Blessed is the man and woman, teenager, all of you. So I include you. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish." See, we have this picture that's painted for us here of the blessed man or woman whose soul is flourishing, planted by streams of water. They'll bear fruit in season. Their leaf will not wither. In everything they do, they will prosper. This is the picture of a flourishing soul. But if you notice when it starts out in Psalm chapter 1, and it's giving us this ideal picture to aim at, it starts by characterizing the wise man by what he does not do, right? Starts by characterizing him by what he does not do. He doesn't determine his course of action based on those who are without, what those are, who are without God are saying. So he's not making decisions based upon the influence of those who don't know God. He's not making decisions based on human intellect and emotion. He's not making decisions or choosing his course of action off of somebody's latest and greatest brilliant idea. He's not led by influencers on social media or the latest greatest podcast with the best idea. 
He doesn't make plans strictly from human understanding. I think this is just something we could all pause and evaluate, right? What it's saying is he doesn't walk in the way of the sinner. He's not looking for any ideas. She's not looking for any ideas that do not stem or originate from the truth of God's word. And how easily do we find ourselves doing this? Like finding the podcast that's going to be the latest, greatest self-help tool. Watching the TikTok influencer that thinks that they like fully understand life and they're 22. <laughs> Sorry to all my 22-year-olds. I love you. I think you're brilliant. Also, when you're 40, you'll know a little bit more. <laughs> and you'll also probably won't think you know as much. <laughs> At least that's where I found myself. Hey, how do you make decisions? What's the thing influencing your life? If you're single in the room and you're looking for a dating relationship and you're like, what does it look like? What should I do? How should I go about this? Is all of the influence coming from just human ideas? Like from people who are not following God that just have all the latest and greatest tips for attracting the right person? Or does the influence come from the truth of God's word? I see this a lot in young parents. Those of you with young kids who our first-time parents, it's like, I'm going to watch everything and read everything and try to learn exactly what to do so I can raise the perfect child. And there's, there is no perfect child. I just got to tell you that. And no matter how hard you try, your child won't be perfect. They're going to have flaws. You have flaws. Sorry to break it to you. <laughs> and we, we search all these things out, and we listen to all these influencers, and we listen to these podcasts, and we read these books, but yet, are we centering our life on the truth of God's word? Do you kind of see where I'm going here? So when we talk about the man in Psalm chapter one, it gives us this example, and I think sometimes we're like, oh, well, I'm not really walking with sinners. And I get that. But are you being influenced by human wisdom, or are you being influenced by the wisdom that comes from the truth of God's word? Like, where are you searching right now? Where are you searching? You know, this wise man he doesn't position himself with those who live by doing wrong. I like that the scripture said that he, he doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked nor stand in the way of sinners. Like, his social context matters. Like, the relationships that he's building, that he's allowing to influence him, it matters. It really does. Last week, Pastor Kerry said, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Show me your top five friends. The people you spend the most time with, and I'll show you your future. Our social context really does matter. The people we surround ourselves with, that's why we do connect groups at the Movement Church, is to build healthy, godly relationships that are going to lean onto the truth of God's word, that are going to start at a foundation point that's found in the truth of God's word. It's the reason we do that, because we recognize how important it is. And the problem here is, when we find ourselves only living with, living with human wisdom, you find it constantly necessary to do what is wrong, and in that case, you become an authority on right and wrong. And you will always have ready explanations or justifications of why, though you do wrong things, you're still a good person. And maybe you found yourself saying that. Well, yeah, 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 I know, I know God's word says this, and I know that I should probably be doing that different, but I'm still a good person. Why? Because you've become the authority on what's right and wrong, not the truth of God's word. 
So if you want a soul that flourishes, like this man that we see in the scripture, it's this decision not to lean on human wisdom and understanding, but to lean into the truth of God's word, right? I think when we get to that place, we find ourselves sitting in the seat of scorners. You know, it's just, I think, I think we get there often when we get tired in the fight of faith. The scripture calls this journey of following Jesus like the fight, the good fight, right? And I think sometimes we get tired and we sit down in the seat of scoffers. It's like, I'm tired. And then we start to point out all the things that we see people doing that are wrong. And I don't agree with that. And why are they acting that way? And we sit down in that seat and the scripture says, no, no, no. The blessed man, he doesn't sit down in that seat of scorners. He's not looking for all the things he can argue with or justify. He's not, he's not doing that business. No. It says, what does he do? He delights in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Like it gives him joy to get into the truth of God's word. It's like it renews his soul. And it says that that man, that blessed man, he is like a tree that's planted by water. And even though the external circumstances might not look good, the roots of that tree grow down so deep to the source that it is never without. And that no matter what is happening on the outside, that tree still bears good fruit. That tree's leaves never wither. And it says in all that he does, he prospers. And I don't know about you, but that's the kind of life I want to live with a soul that is flourishing, that no matter what's happening around me, my roots are dug in deep to the source of who God is. And I recognize that even if life is hard, even if I'm overwhelmed, even when I'm feeling angry, I can still bear good fruit, that God has got me and he's going to carry me through whatever the circumstance it is that I'm up against. There's something about that, right? There's something about it. And I love that it says that he delights in the law of the Lord. And I think sometimes we get frustrated by the law of the Lord because to hear something like the word law, it feels frustrating. Oh, all the rules I have to follow. But this man doesn't see it like that. And he also doesn't see it as a list of things he can do to perform for God. Like following Jesus and aligning your life with him is not about performance. It's not about you acting the right way so you can check the box and look like a Christian. It's about the posture of your heart. Do the roots go down deep into the truth of who God is? Is he your source of life? Is he your source of joy? Is he your source of strength? This is the picture of the blessed man. It goes along with Joshua 1.8. It's so interesting. Joshua 1.8 says, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. And then your way will be prosperous. And then your way will be filled with great success. There's something really beautiful in the correlation between a flourishing soul and a desire to know the law of the Lord. And what that really means is to walk in righteousness. And those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be satisfied. And I think sometimes we come to church and we start to hear these voices and these sounds of condemnation or shame and we start to feel like I just, I'm not good enough. And I'm just telling you, if you're here with any kind of a desire in your soul to say, I want to walk in righteousness. I really do want to get this right. I really do want to honor the Lord. If you're here with any kind of desire in your soul for that, I'm telling you, you will be satisfied. 
It's digging your roots in deep and allowing the Lord to nourish you. You know, in just a few moments, I'm going to be having the band come back up with me. And before I do, I just want to talk about another aspect of the soul. I think for those of us who've been walking with Jesus for a long time, I think sometimes it's easy, like I just mentioned with the law of the Lord, to get caught up in this performance mentality of I have to get it all right. And the goal is to learn what it looks like to walk with Jesus, but it's not in your own strength. And I think that people who try to do it in their own strength end up exhausted. It's why, it's why so many people bail, like too much for me. Why? Because it's this performance mentality and I'm working so hard and that's not the way that God intended this to be. In fact, the scripture says that there is rest for your soul. I love in Psalm 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. The, the plan for your flourishing, God, God wants to breathe life into your soul. Because the soul is the internal operating software that is, that is causing everything in your life to function. And God wants your life functioning in the way that he originally intended for it too. So he wants you from a, a place of rest to actually be able to like, like just rest in who he is. The man with his roots that go down deep into the, to the water source, it's, it's just this idea of like, God's got me. Like I can rest in that. The problem is the natural proclivity of our soul is to idolize and prioritize ourself. Because by nature, we're selfish. By nature, we're self-protective. By nature, we're self-promoting. And a soul that's centered on self cannot ever know rest or satisfaction. A soul that's not rooted and God is constantly striving, constantly performing, constantly searching. Left to ourselves, we are a mess. But God's desire for you is that you operate from a place of rest. That's why Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You know, at that time, they used to put a, a yoke over two heads of oxen. They would take two oxen, those that oxen would plow the fields and do the work in the fields. And, and this whole scripture reference from Jesus was this idea that you always put one really strong ox with one ox that was really weak. And when you put the yoke over their neck, they began to plow the fields together, but the strong ox carried the brunt of the work. That's what it looks like to walk with Jesus, to recognize I'm nothing without him. I gotta stop trying to do this all on my own. I've gotta stop thinking I know better. I've got it figured out. I, I actually need Jesus. And when we allow ourselves to walk in unison with him, the yoke becomes easy and the burden becomes light. It's the nature of who God is. Psalm 19, 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. 
The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. There's something beautiful about understanding that God's law, his, his word, this book full of truth for our life is not this like hardcore, want to put all these boundaries on you so that you don't enjoy life. No, it's this beautiful plan for our flourishing. It's why the wise man we read about in Psalm chapter one, it says his delight was in the law of the Lord because he didn't see it as this rule book that was trying to keep him from having fun or doing what he wanted to do. He saw it as God created me to live a beautiful life, a life that flourishes. And I want everything that God has for me. And if I want everything that God has for me, he tells me exactly how to do it. So I'm going to delight in his plan because I know that it's good. Not because I have to perform for him, but because I love him. And I recognize that he loves me so much that he gave me these good plans to follow. And I delight in the law of the Lord. And when I do that, it's like my roots run deep and everything within my life begins to flourish. God desires that for you. He desires it. You know, I'm going to close here in a moment, but we're going to spend a moment in worship, and I'll tell you why. I'm going to invite the band to go ahead and join me. You know, I was really praying for this message, and I was like, Lord, what do you want to say to us? God, what does it look like to transform our soul? Because at some level, the soul is this, like, it's the stuff that happens that's subconscious that we don't even realize. So what does it look like to transform our soul? Can I have your phone again? And I felt like the Lord just took me back to this idea, this picture, that our soul is like this internal operating software that every one of us has inside of our phone. Anybody have a cell phone? Most of you, I think. Occasionally, technology has issues operating in the way it was created to. Do you ever have issues with technology, or am I alone? What's interesting is our, our cell phones need a consistent reboot or restart. What's really interesting when I did the research yesterday is that you're supposed to reboot or restart your cell phone once a week. I'll tie that in in a minute. And I just realized, like, rebooting, restarting your cell phone, what it does is it gives the device... The, the device here, it, it gives it a clean slate to work with. All the background processors or troublesome code gets wiped clean when you do a reset or reboost. All the background issues that are happening on your phone that are fairly common in devices, can, they can arise in all different ways, but we begin to deal with that by restarting the device, rebooting the device, and it resolves all of the stuff that's happening in the background. Because the stuff happening in the background can cause a decrease in the speed of the technology, the way that it functions. And I just thought, how many of us know that there's some problems, but we're struggling to know what it is? Because it's kind of like our cell phone. It's like, this is not working properly, but I don't know why. For some of us in the room, like, if you don't really evaluate your life, you're like, something's off. Something's not working properly, and I don't really know why. So it's so interesting that with our phones, we just do a, 
reboot or a restart. And what it does is it clears up all the background stuff, the apps that are operating that don't need to be operating. And I just wonder how many of us have some apps open in our life of fear, of doubt, of cynicism, of pain, of anger, of frustration, of unforgiveness. And we've got all these apps that are just open on a constant. And we feel like our life is just not functioning as we were created to. We're like, where is the more that God promised? Where is this abundant life that God promised? But yeah, we've got all of these things functioning in the background of our life. And the soul needs a reboot. It needs a restart to wipe out all of that stuff, to say, no, 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 we're going to shut that down for a moment. We're going to shut down the fear. We're going to shut down the anger. We're going to shut down the offense. We're going to shut it down for a moment. And we're going to reboot and get this, this soul, this person represented individually in this room, functioning it the way that God intended it to. I thought it was also very interesting that when you do a reboot or a restart on your phone, it shuts down browsers that are using up too much memory. And I thought, how many of us just have the constant narrative, the stories of our past, the mistakes that we've made, the thing that's been done to us, the pain that we walked through? And it's just a constant. It's just, it's replaying constantly. It's always right there. It's like, even when you try to get rid of it, it's still kind of like hanging right there in the back of your mind. And your soul needs a reboot. Your soul needs a reboot. And I just think one of the most beautiful ways that God has created for us to reboot is by actually gathering together as a church once a week and worshiping him. Because what it does is it refocuses our attention on who God is. David said, Psalm 42, as a deer pants for water, so my soul pants for you. My soul thirsts for God. Are you thirsty? Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. My soul thirsts for God is what David said. But I love that David went on and he began to just pour out his heart and his life to God. And some of you actually just need to do that. David acknowledged in that same psalm, God, I desperately need you. Like, life is really hard right now. I'm under attack from all, all sides. I feel like I can't catch a break. And David just poured out his heart to God. And some of you have got all of those apps open because there's so much going on in your life right now. It's like hard to catch a breath for your soul. And you need a reboot in the presence of God because you know what David was beautiful at? He was a worshiper. And he wasn't afraid to tell God all he was feeling, but he always came back. His feelings didn't lead. He always came back to, but God, you're good. God, you're faithful. God, I know you won't leave me. God, I know you won't forsake me. God, I know. I've seen you do it before. I know you can do it again. God, I know you won't disappoint me. God, I feel disappointed right now, but I know you won't disappoint me. God, I trust you. I'm struggling to trust you, but I trust you. David always came back to this point of worship where he just exalted the name of Jesus over every other name. And, and that's why we gather as a church and we sing songs. It's not for a performance. It's not so that the people on the stage can sing and I can stand quietly watching them. No, it's to reboot my soul. It's like holding the power button down on the phone and saying, I gotta close all those apps right now and I gotta fix my attention on who you are, God.
I've got to glorify you. I've got to magnify your name over every other name because you are worthy. What a message. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, connect with us by texting Jesus to 949-267-3242. And if you're local to Orange County, be sure to check us out on Sundays. You can get all the information at theocmovement.com.